48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. Tonight's headlines. People are urged to stay at home as much as possible as dozens more coronavirus cases are recorded. An elderly woman dies after catching the virus and Hong Kong reportedly demands Taiwanese officials sign a document recognising the one-chan policy in order to renew their work visas. Hong Kong health officials have reported 58 new cases of COVID-19, of which 50 were contracted locally. Many of the patients are linked to Xi Wansan, including two restaurant dishwashers, two vegetable sellers, security guard and five people who ate at restaurants in the area. Dr. Tuan Shuk Kwan of the Centre for Health Protection was asked whether people in Siwanshan should have their movements limited. I understand the stakeholders are closing down the Siwanshan uh, Centre and the market for uh, four of this infection. I think that will help to stop the outbreak because we do record uh, quite a number of cases who are working in the Siwanshan Centre as well as in the market. And many of the cases, maybe they live there, they, they went to Tiwan San Center quite often for uh, buying food or uh, eat there and or just walk around there. Meanwhile, the 71-year-old woman with COVID-19 died this afternoon. The woman who had a chronic illness was taken to Rutenji Hospital last night when her heart stopped. She tested positive for COVID-19 overnight. She's the 11th patient with the coronavirus to die in the SAR. Taiwanese officials in Hong Kong have reportedly been told their visas will not be renewed if they don't sign a document supporting Beijing's claim to Taiwan under the One China policy. Taiwan says the acting director of the Taipei Economic and Cultural Office has already left the SAR. Vicky Wong has details. The Reuters news agency quotes a senior Taiwan official as saying several members of staff at Taipei's de facto consulate in Hong Kong who were due to renew their visas have been asked to sign the document. The official says the move is unprecedented and being as the staff won't get their visas if they don't sign, it's an unnecessary political obstacle for Taipei-Hong Kong ties. Our representatives in Hong Kong will hold fast to their position, the official is quoted as saying. Meanwhile, Taiwan's Mainland Affairs Council said Kao Ming-chun, acting director of the Taipei Economic and Cultural Office, has already been forced to go home. The council urged Hong Kong to return to the existing consensus to maintain normal exchanges. Taipei has strongly criticized the national security law imposed on Hong Kong by Beijing, and earlier this month it opened an office to help Hong Kongers fleeing the SAR. People Power activist Tam Tak Chi has appeared in Fanling Court over a protest in Central in January. The 47-year-old is accused of seditious intent, misconduct in a public place and inciting people to take part in an unauthorised protest. He didn't have to enter a plea and the case was adjourned until September. Mr Tam was released on bail and ordered not to leave Hong Kong. The activist was one of the winners in the opposition camp's primaries last weekend for the upcoming LegCo elections. The Public Opinion Research Institute says it believes police have the details of polling staff involved in the pro-democracy camp's primaries after officers raided its office in Wong Chuk Hang a week ago. But the polling body, which helped design the balloting system for the vote, says there's no way that information on the 600,000 people who voted could have been leaked. The Institute's president, Robert Chung, says his legal team has written to the police to demand a checklist of what's been taken and to insist that no data is transferred to other departments. The list of station in charge that 
amounts to about 250 individuals with names and addresses of the polling stations might have been either screen captured by the police or have been uh, downloaded somewhere. In terms of voters' personal information, we are pretty sure that they are intact because they were just not in our system. So what the legal team has been doing is to remind the police, according to existing law, they shouldn't be using the data that I have collected, whatever they have collected, for purposes other than those fellow in the warrant. Police investigating last year's protest clashes at Polytechnic University searched a room used by the student union at the Hung Hom campus this afternoon before taking away five computers. Union President Michael Ung initially refused to allow the police in when they arrived at around noon. Even though they had a warrant, officers were eventually given access to the room in the Shaw Amenities Building after discussions with staff. The police search lasted for more than an hour. Plans for a study on building huge artificial islands off Lantau are on hold after LegCo's Finance Committee ran out of time to debate a $550 million government funding request. Pro-democracy lawmakers dragged out debate on other items on the agenda at the committee's final meeting of the term today and the government will have to resubmit the request after September's election. Council Front's Chu Hoi-Dick says the administration should rethink the whole project. Our only strategy is to through filibustering uh, to push it down the cliff. I don't think it is a must that it will come back because the big picture is changing and indeed it costs a lot of money and a large part of our revenue. And if we have spent hundreds and billions of dollars on pandemic relief, I think the government really need to have a double thought on whether they need to continue it or not. You know, listening to RTHK, the time has just gone past five minutes past 11. The district court has found an ex-advisor to former chief executive C. Wellen guilty of defrauding the Securities and Futures Commission and cheating a company out of tens of millions of dollars. Timmy Song reports. The offences relate to Barry Jones' time as the chairman of the Hong Kong Merchantile Exchange, a commodities trading platform, between May 2012 and its collapse in May 2013. The district court found that the former executive council member conspired with the firm's chief financial officer, Jackie Choi, to defraud the SFC into letting it keep its license by hiding the exchange's true financial position. Zheng had denied the charge, but Choi had pleaded guilty and became a prosecution witness. Zheng was also found guilty of a separate charge of cheating a company called Sinomax Finance out of $30 million, transferring the money into a firm he owned. Handing down her ruling, Judge Amanda Woodcock said the defendant had attempted to demonstrate that he was not hands-on with the exchange and didn't know, or even need to know, the details of his financial position. But she said the evidence overwhelmingly suggests otherwise, and Jen's stake in the company was so high that he had the most to lose. In mitigation, the defense lawyer said his clients had committed the offenses because of his stubbornness, firm belief of what is good for Hong Kong, and his dedication in doing what he believes is right. The lawyer also said Zheng had lost his fortune, ending up with a bankruptcy order instead. Eleven reference letters were submitted for Zheng, with executive counselor Fanny Law among those urging leniency. Both Zheng and Choi were denied bail and were remanded in custody ahead of sentencing next Thursday. Health experts are calling for tighter control measures at wet markets over COVID-19 fears, saying just closing some of down for disinfection work isn't enough. 
They also want civil servants to start working from home again and are warning people in one area not to go out if possible. Violet Wong reports. Leading microbiologist Dr. Ho Park Leung says the authorities were too slow to take action at Peihou Street Market in Shamshui Po, only deciding to carry out disinfection work three days after the first virus cases were linked to the site. The University of Hong Kong scholar says the authorities should control the flow of people at wet markets and check visitors' temperatures. Infectious disease expert Dr. Leung Chi Chiu from the Medical Association has echoed this view and also wants that the virus is spreading through some neighborhoods, like Kowloon East. He says residents there should avoid leaving their homes. The most efficient means is for most of the residents there to try to stay home as much as possible. I think this is the quickest way and surest way of decreasing the transmission within uh, the area. And uh, we are also having a lot of other screening exercises. I think these exercises should give priority to residents uh, in this area as soon as possible, so as to put off the fire before it spreads. Dr. Leung says it will be difficult to bring the outbreaks under control if social contact isn't reduced quickly. He says the government should take the lead and let civil servants providing non-essential services work from home for two weeks to prevent cross-infection in offices and crowding at restaurants during lunch hours. Leung Chaoting from the Federation of Civil Service Unions says while essential services should be maintained, a third of government staff could work from home. He says office morale is also quite low now that multiple civil servants have come down with the disease and the government can't just leave it to various departments to decide if staff can work remotely. The chairman of the hospital authority, Henry Fan, says he's he's talking to private hospitals to see whether they can take over some of the testing for coronavirus. During an online seminar for the Our Hong Kong Foundation, Mr. Fan said the authorities' testing capacity is stretched to the limit, with around 6,000 tests a day now. He also said private hospitals could help care for about 500 patients who are recovering from COVID-19 and are no longer infectious. We are beginning to see queues at various uh, places, for example, Chinese medicine uh, clinics and so forth, where people want to get tested. I think what the private hospitals can do is where they have the lab capacity, they can help us to do some tests for us. And we're in the course of discussing with them on that. See? Now, what the private hospitals can do is to help us set up these tier two wards mm. if they can. Because if they can spare wards, then we can have some steady patients download to these step-up wards. And that is going to help the public uh, system see, to get better. Cathay Pacific has issued a profit warning saying it expects to record a loss of almost $10 billion for the first half of this year as the airline continues to reel under the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. Priscilla Ong has more. With global travel all but shut down, Cathay carried just over 27,000 passengers in June, down 99% to last year. A paltry 4% of scheduled flights actually flew, and when they did, the planes were on average just over a quarter full. Cargo business also suffered a 43% drop from a year ago. The airline said in a filing to the stock exchange that it expects a net loss of $9.9 billion in the first half of this year, compared to a profit of $1.3 billion for the same period last year. Cathay chalks $2.4 billion of the expected loss to asset depreciation, mostly in relation to 16 planes that it says are unlikely to see meaningful service until next summer.
Nevertheless, the airline said there are signs of hope. Flight numbers are rising somewhat. It expects to run 7% of flights this month and 10% next month. Although this depends on the easing of restrictions. It also said the group will carry out a full review of its operations after shareholders approved a government-led recapitalization plan earlier this week. The administration has said the $39 billion bailout is necessary to preserve Hong Kong's status as an international transport hub and help the flag carrier weather the coronavirus storm. Members of the Democratic Party have staged a protest outside the water supplies department, saying people have been getting sky-high bills during the pandemic. Because meters have not been read as often. This report from Natalie Ching. The party says it had complaints from people who say their water bills have suddenly shot up for no apparent reason after some water supply staff worked from home rather than going out to check meters. One man in his 90s who lives alone is said to have received a delayed bill of $700 for eight months' worth of water, double what he expected. The party says it suspects because the tariff structure is progressive. By the time the bill was calculated, the man was being charged at the most expensive tier four rate when ordinarily. His water usage only reaches lower tier charges, but when the man complained, he reportedly only received two dollars as a refund. Zhang Qiming, a district councillor from the party, says the review process for the bill is not transparent and it's far too slow. It might take years to、uh, get the whole refunds. How can the government just collect your money that easily? And they said if you cannot pay. The bill on time, they will charge you some extra charges or to sue you. But when you ask for their refunds, it takes years and years to get the money back. That's the problem. The party is calling on the authorities to explain what's going on with people's bills and to look again at all those they've sent out over the past six months. Sport and with a look ahead to football action in the English Premier League this weekend, here's the BBC's John Bennett. Norwich City will become the first team to be relegated from the Premier League this season if they lose against West Ham. Despite playing some attractive football, they've struggled all season, and their fans will be especially disappointed with their performances since the restart, losing all five of their league matches, scoring only one goal. It's a crucial game for West Ham, who are only three points clear of the drop zone. Staying in the relegation battle, Watford are level on points with West Ham going into their game against Newcastle United, who were thrashed by Manchester City midweek. Meanwhile, Bournemouth and Aston Villa are currently alongside Norwich in the bottom three. Villa will feel the game against out-of-form Crystal Palace is a must-win, and Bournemouth host fourth-placed Leicester City, who are part of the other dramatic aspect of this Premier League run-in: the race to finish in the top four and qualify for the Champions League. Leicester, Chelsea, Manchester United, and Wolves are all aiming to finish in the final two spots below Liverpool and Manchester City. Sheffield United may also have an outside chance, and they're at home to Chelsea. Manchester United in fifth face Southampton on Monday, and Wolves are at home to Everton. And a reminder of our top stories tonight: people are urged to stay at home as much as possible as dozens more coronavirus cases are recorded. An elderly woman dies after catching the virus.、Uh, Hong Kong reportedly demands Taiwanese officials sign a document recognising one-China policy in order to renew their work visas. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio Three. It's time now to get stories covered in this evening's news wrap program. 
Policy expert has called the chief executive arrogant and shameless for claiming that she has already achieved or even outdone the promises she made in her election manifesto three years ago. During a TV interview, Carrie Lam said her administration had done a lot to improve social welfare. What she did not touch on, however, was her pledge to heal the social divide and unite society. The director of the Comparative Governance and Policy Research Centre at Baptist University, Kenneth Chan, told Priscilla Ong he found the city's claims to be unbelievable. Purely speaking for myself, I, I think she's really arrogant and she has no shame. Look at the mess she has made for for Hong Kong people. Look at the economy, look at the pandemic, look at the um, the social protests that lasted till now since mid-2019, all of her own making because of her arrogance, uh, her reluctance to listen to the people. Uh, she acted too little and too late. And now, um, surprisingly, um, not only we are still suffering from the extradition law saga, we also now have the national security law inserted into the basic law imposed on Hong Kong from Beijing, all because we have a very incompetent but very arrogant chief executive, Carrie Lam. She said that, you know, in her uh, remaining two years at least, uh, she'll be focusing on national security and educating the public and so forth. As an academic and a free-thinking person and a liberal, I suppose, uh, speaking for myself again, everyone should be worried, not just not just me. I think the whole Hong Kong people, it, the city is, is going down and going down with her. Our, our international status, our role as an international financial hub, we can no longer call ourselves very easily a global city. I think we are quickly becoming a child city and her, her, her suggestion that she would focus on politics is simply um, by elimination what else could she do but to you know be the most loyal servant to uh, to Beijing so she's doing all the beatings for the National Security uh, Commission or all the other all the other things that Beijing expected her to do within uh, her term of office I don't think she has any she should have any sort of uh, uh, hope that she would be uh, should be given a second term as the chief executive. So now she's just cleaning up the mess she created by herself in the first place. She sort of said that livelihood issues cannot really go ahead unless political issues are settled. Incompetent leaders would always find scapegoats, um, be they academics, uh, dissidents, or the democracy movement, or anyone. Uh, who happen to uh, back to disagree uh, with these incompetent but arrogant leaders? I think Caroline actually, uh, you know, fits the, the, pro, the profile perfectly all right. So she's looking for a scapegoat. She's uh, playing the blame game. But I, I think, judging from an objective opinion surveys done by so many academic institutions over such a long period of time, I think anybody with any sense of, you know, uh, balance could easily come to the conclusion that, sorry about that, the whole Hong Kong come to the con- has come to the conclusion that it's the government's fault. It's a very weak, incompetent leadership and now just looking for an easy way out. This is really bad governance and uh, I would say corrupt, immoral governance as well. And I guess you're not expecting any you know, real livelihood issues to be tackled. Um, I think, I think her, her hands are totally tied. The economy is bad. I mean, she's already uh, you know, drawing money from the deposits from all the reserves available uh, just, just to survive. I mean, she's under enormous pressure. She has no legitimacy on mandate. 
um, to do the right thing. Uh, everybody is now looking for her as a piggy bank and asking for, uh, you know, how relief and payouts and so on just to weather the storm out. And uh, this storm, of course, had a lot to do with her own government's incompetence and a bunch of um, uh, officials who are paid by Hong Kong taxpayers are supposed to look for solutions. And I'll just, sorry about that, rallying around the national security law instead of focusing on how to um, how to help Hong Kong people. Political President Andrew Leung says he has no regrets regarding his past four years in the role and he's tried his best to carry out his duties. As the current LegCo term comes to an end, he says he's still undecided about whether to seek re-election as a lawmaker. Damon Pang reports. Andrew Lang says there's been many unprecedented events over the past four years in LegCo, from the disqualification of six councillors to the storming of the complex by protesters. He said Chief Executive Carrie Lam enjoyed a honeymoon period when she was elected, but it did not last long once controversial bills came along, like the Express Rail Terminus immigration arrangements. Mr Lung says he has sometimes struggled to work out who's been the good guy and who's been the baddie, with pro-establishment lawmakers also giving him a headache on occasions. He says the relationship between Beijing and the pro-democracy camp has deteriorated to the point where it doesn't even exist anymore but he thinks the camp would be wise to maintain dialogue with the central government. Some of our members can go to America, can go to England, Germany, and to go to our consul generals to have dinner. And Why can't they at least have regular meetings, even if they voice their differences? Central government is not a foreign government. So I do wish that a direct link between different parties with central government is the way to go. Mr Leung has been a lawmaker for 16 years and he recently told the media that he's had enough after four years as president and he would like to have a rest. But amid reports Beijing's liaison office wants him to continue, he told reporters he needs a few more days to come to a decision. President of the Hong Kong Public Doctors Association, Arisina Ma, says she's worried isolation wards are going to be filled to capacity very soon amid the city's surge in coronavirus cases. Dr Ma told Anna-Marie Evans that the occupancy rates at public hospitals are already very high. Actually, the occupancy of our isolation ward has, uh, is uh, increasing. Uh, as what the um, hospital authority announced, it's already go nearly 75% for our uh, isolation bed. Uh, so it is actually quite a, uh, uh, this show that is our occupancy is quite high because we do need some uh, extra bed for uh, the high turnover of surveillance cases which uh, uh, turn into the emergency room every day. So are you worried more and more people will be admitted to public hospitals as the government is carrying out a lot more tests? Yes, uh, definitely, because um, I'm quite sure that there is um, uh, the disease has uh, largely spread uh, inside our society. And when we, are go- uh, when we are going to test more and more people, we're going to find out more and more confirmed cases. Of course, some of them will be uh, quite asymptomatic for some healthy young individual. So um, for in the past, uh, in March, we do send all of them to our isolation ward. But uh, for this uh, episode, it's quite unlikely that we can accommodate all those confirmed cases all inside our hospital. Now, there have been some cases involving hospital staff recently. How concerned are you? 
Um, actually, um, um, all, for all those uh, uh, infected uh, uh, hospital staff, um, quite likely that they are uh, infected in the community after being in contact with um, uh, their friends, friends, family, or they, because they are uh, 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 residing in some of the high-risk areas. There is no uh, definite evidence that they are getting infected or the disease are widely spread among uh, healthcare workers inside the hospital. However, we need to pay attention to that because the risk is uh, getting higher and higher. Should authorities move some asymptomatic COVID patients to other facilities, do you think? Um, yes, actually, this is the definite uh, measures we need to take because, as what I said, uh, we only have 1,700 isolation beds in total. Um, we cannot um, uh, uh, let all the confirmed cases stay in the, in, in, inside the hospital. So some of them, those are, uh, uh, asymptomatic ones, those with very simple medical history, they uh, who do not uh, require uh, a large, uh, high level of medical care, they should be. Uh, stay uh, in the isolation facilities, the community isolation facilities, in order to uh, stop the disease spread in the community, but also free the manpower and bed uh, for the other patients inside the hospital. Do you think that the private hospitals can take some of the, uh, the burden? Um, I, to be honest, I don't think so. First of all, they really don't have that kind of practice in the past. In the past, for uh, some other uh, infected uh, contagious disease other than COVID, they are already very unwilling to take. Uh, so, for, secondly, I don't think uh, the private hospital have uh, a fully uh, a well-written guideline for how to handle the COVID patients. Uh, finally, uh, the private hospital, they may also get find difficulties of getting all the uh, it, uh, uh, adequate uh, uh, protective equipment, um, testing kit and so on. One of the side effects of climate change and rising temperatures could be heat stress when the body can't cool down and suffers a range of serious health problems. Among the most affected are people in developing countries working outdoors such as farmers and builders. But medical staff wearing personal protective equipment as they tackle COVID-19 are also suffering. BBC's David Shukman has been investigating. Okay, so I've just put on all my PPE. i put on my cap, my goggles, my N95 respirator, my gown, as well as my gloves. I feel a little bit warm because the evaporation of my sweat is reduced by this impermeable gown. Dr Jimmy Lee is about to enter a COVID facility at a hospital in Singapore. It's a temporary structure built for the crisis and doesn't have air conditioning. So after a few hours in the tropical heat, he's dripping with sweat. Inside, I'm actually drenched in sweat. So this makes working in these conditions quite challenging. It can affect your the morale and also the thought process. It can be very challenging to maintain your concentration. The risk is that hospital staff keep working and then collapse from what's called heat stress. That's when the body can't cool down. Usually, sweating gets rid of the heat. But when there's a high level of humidity with a lot of moisture in the air, the sweat can't evaporate. So the cooling process doesn't happen. Rebecca Lucas, a specialist in heat stress, says faintness and cramps can lead to more serious effects. As you get hotter, those symptoms uh, become more severe, so you can become disoriented or confused. And those cramps can increase in intensity. That feeling of nausea can become quite powerful. And when you get to a heat stroke scenario where it becomes clinical, uh, in some situations, parts of the body will shut down. 
Brick workers in India labour under a blazing sun. And as with millions of people in developing countries, they're facing even tougher conditions to come. That's because climate change is leading to higher temperatures and greater humidity. Dr Jason Lee of the National University of Singapore says heat stress could become the next big threat after the coronavirus. I see this pandemic almost like a full dress rehearsal for what is to come, you know, where this climate change global warming will be a bigger monster, that we really need coordinated efforts across nations to prepare what is to come. Uh, if not, you know, we are seeing right now, if you're not prepared and you prepare too late, then there will be price to be paid before you recover. Luckily, there are ways to help. Fans to keep the air moving, resting in shade, having plenty of water. Rebecca Lucas says that simple steps make a real difference. If you could take a complete break, sit down and rest, take on some cold water and be seated in the shade with some airflow through and allow yourself some recovery during that work day, we are seeing that have a, a significant impact on the health of the workers that we're working with. Back in the hospital in Singapore, semi-frozen drinks help the staff to cool down. Many other employers don't think about the impact of heat on their workers. But there's growing evidence that they'll need to as global temperatures rise. Scientists who've studied the closest pictures ever taken of the sun hope they'll help solve a mystery that's puzzled them for years. Why its outer atmosphere is hotter than its surface. A European Space Agency probe captured the images at a distance of 77 million kilometres, about halfway to the Sun from the Earth. The BBC's Jonathan Amos reports. Astronomers have long known that the Sun is a churning, seething mass of gas at temperatures of thousands of degrees. But the pictures from the European Space Agency's solar orbiter have picked up something new. In amongst the great rolling loops of magnetically sculpted gas that cover the sun's brilliant surface are innumerable small flashes of light, tiny flares the European team has dubbed campfires. At Earth's scale, they're country-sized, but their sheer number has got the scientists thinking they could be involved in the mysterious heating process that makes the star's outer atmosphere hotter than its surface. Dan Muller leads the project team. For the sun, we have a hot core, a relatively cool surface of just about 5,500 degrees, surrounded by a super hot atmosphere of more than a million degrees. It's as if you would light a fire, and as you move further away from the fire, it doesn't get cooler, but in fact it really starts to burn you when you're really far away. Solar Orbiter has a decade of planned observations ahead of it. The way it started its mission suggests its science could be a revelation. The stories are part of the Newswrap program, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Our hands often touch public items covered with viruses and bacteria. When we touch our eyes, nose or mouth, the pathogens can enter the body. Health is in our hands. To prevent infection, follow the seven hand cleaning steps. Rub hands for 20 seconds. Rinse thoroughly. Dry with a clean cloth or paper towel. If you can't wash your hands and they aren't visibly soiled, use an alcohol-based hand rub. What if our hands get dirty again? Clean them properly. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December, we'll have moments to That's it. 
moments to remember. The time is now. From now until 1 a.m. with Ray Cudero, all the way with our kind of music. famous Liberace at the piano introducing nostalgia for tonight let's welcome Shelly Horn hit the road Jack hit the road Jack and don't you come back no more no more no more no more hit the road Jack Come back no more. What you say? Hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more. What you say? Oh, geezer, oh, geezer, don't treat me so mean. You're the meanest man that I've ever seen. I guess if you said so, I'd have to pack my bags and go. Don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more Hit the road 